Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to a very special Friday episode. This week, we've got something very different for you. A couple of weeks ago, I recorded a live episode mashup with Red Handed Podcast and the brilliant hosts Hannah and Saruti for Amazon Music's Best Podcast of the Year event. If you haven't heard of Red Handed Podcast, I don't know what you've been doing. I'm absolutely obsessed with them. Because if you like true crime, you will absolutely love them. So I was really lucky. It was just a random collaboration that Amazon Music, shout out to Amazon Music, they put us together, true crime and dating, obviously a fantastic combination. They cover stories around disturbing mysteries, hauntings, serial killers, and all manner of the macabre. So expect to hear this episode. Bit of disturbing stuff in here, but you you lot love that, don't you? This one is all about hybristophilia. If you don't know what that means, you're about to find out. It also includes red flags from the audience and me doing my agony aunt thing with actually quite a disturbing letter. So get ready to be entertained, to laugh, to enjoy and to be disturbed. Oh my, my God, God, la la la, let me explain. explain, explain. Hello, it's wonderful to see you all. We are Red Handed. I'm Saruti. And I'm Hannah, the other one. (laughs) Um, And it's not just us. We've got a lady in a box. I'm La La La, let me explain. We are Red Handed and Lala, and we are doing a mashup of sorts, a collaboration that you've all been waiting for but didn't know is what you wanted. We are here to celebrate another phenomenal year of podcasting. So yes, when Amazon Music asked us to do this event, we were so excited. And then when they asked us to do it with Lala, we were like, yes, please. So you might be wondering, what are a couple of true crime podcasters? and a relationship expert doing on the same stage. Well, they actually have quite a lot in common. Because dating is very difficult. Finding the right guy, or even just one guy that will just once load the dishwasher like a normal fucking human being and not a rabid raccoon, can be quite demoralizing. (laughs) So what if I told you there was a way to find a guy who was guaranteed to message you back, guaranteed not to abandon you, hurt you or cheat on you. You know where he is at all times and you know for sure that he is thinking of you. He's fit, he's muscular, he's brooding and adventurous. Maybe it's one of these guys. Not bad, not bad, not bad, bit old, but I'm desperate. (laughs) These are actual pictures from a online dating site that sets up prisoners with people on the outside. Um, So, is that an instant turn off or an ultimate turn on? 
If you chose the latter, then you may just have hybristophilia. <laughs> just one laugh in the room for hybristophilia. <laughs> it's Someone okay. bought a dictionary. Okay. It's okay. I'm going to tell you guys what it is. So hybristophilia is a phenomenon where an individual is sexually aroused by violent criminals. Now, we've all fallen in love with a bad boy or two. There are people who bring this obsession into the real world and love nothing more than seeking out romantic relationships with violent offenders. And that is what we are looking at tonight. But tonight isn't just about us. We know that there are a load of wrong-ins in this audience and we want to get to know you lot better. So we are going to find out about all of you who have ignored red flags yourselves. We want to hear all about your red flags. It's true. We are going to do tonight some audience participation. What we would love you to do is throughout the evening, enter into there your worst red flag in a romantic relationship. And we will be coming back to it a bit later on. So, hybristophilia. We all know what philia means. It's not good stuff. We are going to play a bit of a word game uh, after I've told you coprophilia, necrophilia, zoophilia, all bad ones. And we've also got aquaphilia. I'm going to read these out and then I'm going to ask Lala what she thinks they are. And if she doesn't get it right, I will ask you. So, first one, aquaphilia. Lala? They've got to enjoy drowning or something. <laughs> Isn't it? You know what? I'm going to give it to you. Yes. Is it having sex in, a, in water? Yeah. Got it. And then we've got chronophilia. Lala, do you want to give it a guess? Um, they really get a boner for things in chronological order. So close. So oh, close. really? That's close. What? Yeah. It's people who really like really specific and big age differences. Oh, oh. I don't feel like I was close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Pygophilia. Lala? Um, they absolutely love Pythagoras' rule. Oh, <laughs> not close. Oh. I'm afraid it is bum holes. Oh. Maybe not the specific hole what I made that What does pygo mean then? Shouldn't it be like anusophilia? Um, well, I will ring my Latin teacher immediately and find out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next, trichophilia. Oh, I reckon that's got something to do with hair. You are absolutely correct. Thank you. And the next one, which is only the second hardest on my list. Oh, God. Agomatophilia. They really like cooking on their agar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is dolls and stuff. Oh. And this one's a really long word, but actually, if you break it down, it is quite self-explanatory. Autoanthropomorphous zoophilia. Lars. I think this one was invented by someone who gets off on people saying ridiculous words. <laughs> <laughs> it was me all along. Um, anyone from the audience got an idea? Someone dressed like animals is absolutely correct. Someone's got a Latin oh, GCSE. Nice. <laughs> good work, good work. Okay, so that's the philia bit. The next bit we have is hybris. The hybris bit actually has the same word root as hubris. So it's Greek for perpetuating an outrage against another person. So hybristophilia is a sexual interest in people who have committed violent crimes. And to qualify, uh, your love interest does have to be violent. No one is sending banana bread to Martha Stewart. 
And also, to be clear, not everyone who writes a letter or has a relationship with a prisoner has hybristophilia. These people are attracted because their love interest is a violent criminal, not in spite of it. And like a lot of paraphilias, it's not that well understood. No. But here is what we do know. Firstly, we definitely know that there are two types of hybristophilia. There's active hybristophilia and passive hybristophilia. In the active category, you've got the likes of Myra Hindley, the Manson family, and also Bonnie out of Bonnie and Clyde. And crucially for active hybristophilia, these women actively took part in their partner's crimes. So they weren't just like a backseat, they weren't just at home, they were out there doing the deed with them. But we're not talking about them today. We're talking about passive hybristophilia. Those people who have absolutely no interest in participating in the crimes or being wrapped up in the depravity of whatever their partner is doing, but they still, these people, seek out the absolute worst rock-bottom pieces of shit. All of the big hitters had their own homicide harems. We've got Charles Manson, Sariti's boyfriend, Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> Richard Ramirez, Anders Breivik. Anders Breivik, Anders yep. Breivik. I even fucking wrote that one. <laughs> uh, Ted Bundy. And also, more recently, Alec Murdoch. Anyone know who he is? Yes. Good. You can tell everyone else. <laughs> but it might interest you to know that the last we heard, more than 100 British women are engaged or married to men on death row in the US. In fact, on each day of Ted Bundy's trial, the same group of women turned up dressed up like his victims. Some of them even dyed their hair the exact right shade of brown and parted it down the middle, just like Ted liked, to really pull off that Bundy victim look. So why are these women, the passive hybristophiliacs, so drawn to violent men who are often locked away up for life? They can't be with them, they can't be in a relationship. Well, it's usually, it kind of seems like that distance might actually have a lot to do with why they are so attracted to them. Because a man who's locked up in a maximum security prison can't run away. He can't abandon you. He may be wildly violent, but he actually can't hurt you. There's a lot of mm -mm going around. <laughs> and he certainly can't be going around town shagging other women. Lala, we would love to talk to you about this particular phenomenon and why it crops up. Because Hannah and I have been doing true crime for six years, so we can come at it from that perspective. But from your perspective, why do you think passive hybristophiliacs in particular think the way they think? It's a very under-researched topic, actually. There's a really interesting book called Women Who Love, Men Who Kill by someone called Sheila Eisenberg. And she is one of the first people in the 80s who really looked into this phenomenon of women who were deeply attracted to men who had committed really gruesome, violent crimes. And every single one of the women had a history of abuse themselves. Every single one of them. And it's really likely that the things are extremely linked. So not only as you say, like, you're safe. He can't hurt you. If you've been abused by your parents, your partners, your whole life, then choosing to have love but in the safest way where he can't get to you is extremely appealing. And also along with that is, is no sex. You can have the romance, but if you've got like deep trauma from, from you know, your sexual history, then you can have that romance and what feels like passion, but no risk of ever having to be physical with them if you don't want to. 
Um, also, it puts you in a position of power. Again, if you've got a history of abuse and you're so used to your power being taken from you, then this puts you in a position of power. You can control when you speak to them. You can control if you want to answer the phone or, or not at that time. Um, but there's also uh, lots behind it around you know, that, that safety feeling of being with a bad boy. So even though he can't actually come out and like back you against your ops or whatever you've got out here, but what he can do is give you that sense of safety. My man can kill people, so you can't fuck with me. And also a lot of these women were women who wanted their five minutes of fame. Um, it gives you notoriety. If you are with this famous serial killer, then everyone knows who you are. You can get your five minutes of fame without actually having to do anything. Absolutely. I think you really hit the nail on the head from what the limited research, as you said, does show. I think that control piece is such an important point that I think is overlooked when people talk about this. People kind of just talk about it like being a fetish, which, you know, it is. It's a paraphilia. But that control, like you said, it's a way of regaining that and taking control over someone who is super dominant. But now you're in charge. He sat in a cell somewhere waiting for letters from you. He can't do anything. He's completely dependent on you now. And I think, again, that distance and delusion, keeping him at arm's length, allows him to remain that perfect man. And as Lala said, the violence is an important part as well. Uh, going for a very violent man can be a defense mechanism, and we call it the Harley Quinn technique. Because if you're with the most dangerous guy out there, nobody can hurt you. And there may be a certain narcissism at play as well. The partner is dangerous and infamous, everyone who's heard of them is in equal parts scared and obsessed with him. But he loves you, so you must be special. It is kind of the ultimate I'm not like other girls bit. Yeah. And then we have the saviour complex, otherwise known as the I can change him, which we've all done and we don't learn. But why do we do that? It's almost always rooted in past traumas. Among women in relationships with incarcerated men, just like Lala said, 80% have a history of abuse. In general, they've had problematic previous marriages, a history of alcoholism, drug abuse, violence, and or infidelity. And whether they know it or not, instinctively, they're looking to continue the cycle. And studies show that women with extreme personalities tend to be drawn to men with extreme personalities which is unfortunate because the last thing someone with a personality disorder needs is more intensity. Now, of course, these kind of situations are not always pathological. Like we said, not everyone in a relationship with a violent criminal necessarily has hybristophilia. But for those who can, because their lover's crimes are specifically what turns them on, those of them who have hyperstophilia, that is the reason that they are there. For them, it's the thrill of knowing what this man is capable of, but also the knowing that he restrains himself around her. It's that perceived safety and control of dating a man behind bars. Now, we can only really address this from, like I said, our experience of working in the world of true crime. We've never really encountered this in a real life sense. But that is why we are doing this collab, and that is why the lovely Lala is sat next to us here. Because Lala, we believe that you received a letter from somebody in a similar situation to this. I did. In my Agony Aunt role for OK Magazine, I got a letter 
from somebody who was worried about her friend. So her best friend, who was 28 years old, she said, uh, had been in a uh, long-term abusive relationship with an older guy who was just absolutely awful to her, emotionally abused her, made her feel unworthy and useless without him. She was so happy when her friend left this abusive relationship, but then what her friend did was join this thing where you can become a pen pal to US serving prisoners. So she's met this guy who's in prison for aggravated burglary. He's serving 25 years and, she, and has nine years left of his sentence. And her friend is really happy, but the one writing into me was saying, I can't be happy for my friend. I can't deal with this situation. I want her out of this relationship with this prisoner, but I don't know what to do. How can I make her see how crazy this is? What advice did you give, Lala? Well, I mean, I wrote like a 2,000 word essay about it, to be <laughs> honest. Um, I mean, as I, I, as I said here, it is very clear that the link here is that she'd been in an abusive relationship before and she was now seeking the safety of somebody who would love her and pay her attention and make her feel good, but who could never, ever be a threat to her directly, who couldn't tell her what to do. Although, having said that, it's really common for... Uh, people in relationships to maintain control and emotional abuse and coercive control with their partners who are outside. So even though you might think, well, I, I'm on the outside, there's nothing he can say or do, it's very easy to fall into that pattern of just submitting to all of their demands, not going out, not speaking to other people, you know? So yeah, what I said to this woman was actually she just has to have a bit of compassion for her friend. And actually sitting there saying, this is insane, this is crazy, you've got to leave this guy. It's, it's just, it's never going to work, actually. It'll just, as we all know, friends telling us to leave shit men doesn't work at the best of times. But she's found a place of safety. She's, she's found something that feels like love. And we sometimes just have to let our friends make what we feel like our mistakes and then support them with compassion at the end when it all fucks up. And hopefully that fuck up isn't getting buried under the patio. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what happened? Is it a patio or was it an aisle? What happened? Oh no, nobody ever gives me feedback. Very rarely. <laughs> it's so selfish. <laughs> Well, maybe after this goes out, we will get an update. And if they do, you'll have to tell us in one of your upcoming um, podcasts, Lala. Because I think your reply was right. I think asking the friend to look at her friend with compassion and empathy and looking at why she was in this situation rather than telling her to get out, I think, uh, you know, is why you do what you do. So um, thank you for sharing that story with us. Should we go on to Slido, Lala? Yes, Perfect. sure. Let's do it. Okay, so obviously we asked you to send in the red flags that you maybe ignored or maybe ran for the hills, we don't know. <laughs> uh, the top one. Also, you can do these anonymously, but if you do put your name, we will read it. <laughs> okay, so the top one. We hooked up and then he endorsed me on LinkedIn for the effort. <laughs> that is So far, you're the winner. Okay. Lala, are there any in there that are immediately jumping out at you? Someone told someone on a first date that he'd been sending nudes to his cousin. <gasps> um, okay, I've got one here from Asha Maid. When he acted out different animals during sex, complete with noises and hand gestures. Great. 
Nailed it. There, there's one here that says, ask me to wear three pairs of socks for a day <laughs> so he could suck my sweaty toes when we had sex that night. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, this one's good, this is good. Uh, anonymous, again, you coward. Um, yeah. He had an enormous WWE figurines collection, so I thought I might get thrown about a bit. Nope, missionary, 20 minutes. <laughs> This one wants to know, is getting high-fived after sex a red flag? I think that's funny. No. <laughs> that is a green flag. We want them to be enthusiastic. Exactly. <laughs> Told me he loved me after one week of dating and proposed to me it? after 10 days. Whoa. That's a red flag. That is a red flag. Said he was pansexual so he could sympathise with paedophiles. <laughs> No, but you know what? People, this is, this is such a hard conversation to have, actually, because people ain't ready for it. Oh. But actually, see, this is uh, it's a long, complex conversation. But you know what? Somebody's saying, I can empathise with paedophiles. There's a difference between a paedophile and a sex offender, which I'm sure you must oh, have yeah. gone into yes. on your podcast before. And actually, if there are people who are paedophiles and they are taking absolutely every action to have therapy, to avoid harming children, to recognise what their fantasy is, but to never, ever, ever carry it out, then actually there are people that deserve empathy. Of course, not sex offenders, not anyone who's actively harmed or is even viewing child abuse images because even if they're not touching that child, that child has still been harmed as a result of those images being made. But you can have compassion and sympathy for somebody who has, who has, because actually that's a fucking hard life to, to, to live if you are doing it morally correctly, you know? No, I mean, we, we always recommend this podcast. It's called Hunting Warhead. Yeah. The, they've chosen a bad name, guys. Go listen to it anyway. It's so good. And it really helps you understand what Lala's talking about there. Like, there's a difference between someone who is a sex offender and somebody who has these thoughts that they don't want to act upon. So go check that podcast out. I think they do a really great job of explaining the difference in there. Thank you for all of your red flags, guys. They were horrible. Well um, done. Yeah. Well done, everybody. You nailed it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi guys, it's me and I'm here to tell you about another Sony Music Entertainment podcast. Now I know you all like to have a deeper look and get under the skin of a subject, so I think you're going to love getting curious with the fabulous Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. Every week they deep dive into conversations with a variety of experts on some really, really important and eye or ear opening topics like the history of abortion and the science of sleep. Get excited, get curious, and listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. Next bit, let's I, do it. I've got, a, I've got a question for you guys. Yes. Oh, well, it's actually a question that somebody submitted to me for one of my Wednesday uh, okay. Agony Aunt podcasts, but I bought it here so that we can all answer it together, including the audience, if people want to help as well. So... 
strap in. And there's a bit of a trigger warning on this one for exactly what we were just speaking about, actually. Hi, Lala. I matched with this guy on Bumble two weeks ago. He's intelligent, ambitious, and handsome. He's currently in the USA until the end of the month, meaning that sadly we can't meet until December. We've been speaking every day, and he always makes the effort to message despite the time difference. Discussions have become sexual, and he's mentioned how he's quite kinky. When I asked what exactly he meant by kinky, he mentioned that he's quite into incest porn and role play, like mother-daughter, mother-son, dad-daughter. This is not my thing. Good. I told him gently that this was not exactly something I was comfortable with trying or doing, and if it was a deal-breaker, to which he said no, and that he wouldn't want to pressure me to do something that I wasn't comfortable with. All right, brace yourselves now, guys. Fast forward to last night, when messaging back and forth, and he mentions that he's in a filthy mood. I playfully ask what type of mood, and he responds with, are you sure you want to know? And I reply with, try me, ha ha ha. No. And he sends me this fantasy. I'm tugging my tiny little penis and it's so pathetic. It won't even get hard. I want to be a small little horny boy being abused and degraded by my mummy. <laughs> Upon reading it, I just cannot imagine how imagining that you are a young boy getting abused by your mum could turn someone on, even in fantasy. It makes me worry that if I was to continue with this and meet up with him when he's back, that if it did become serious and we had children, would he want to sexually abuse them? I know it's extreme, but that is where my mind went. I am not a judgmental person and I'm quite open to discussing sexual fantasies, but I don't know. I feel like this is a worrying fantasy. I've responded to his message playfully oh, no. and made it clear that it wasn't my thing and asked again if that was a deal breaker. And he responded, maybe. So I've just told him to take some time and to figure out if it is or isn't a deal breaker and to let me know tomorrow. Part of me is gutted because other than that fantasy, we get on really well and it could become something more. And yes, I know we've never met, so it seems really stupid that I'm this attached already, but I never seem to get past the talking stages these days. So this early connection means something to me. But then also, part of me is thinking that I'm not comfortable with this fantasy, and it does make me worry that he's fucked up in the head for liking it, and to run. Is this it? Is he potentially going to do this in real life for real, or is it just a really weird fantasy? Oh, wow, wow, wow. Lala, I know you couldn't see, but there were a lot of um, pretty wild faces out in the audience while Isn't you were telling so that story. Isn't it so sad that we've got to a point where a woman is like, yeah, he probably wants to fuck babies, but he's so nice. <laughs> just like, how, like, how, like, oh. 
Oh my god. Oh my god. It How is have we so got here? Sad. It is so sad that the bar is so <laughs> fucking low. We can be disgusted and actually oh a bit scared. Of a man's yeah. sexual preferences, feel fucking violated by him crossing yeah. some boundaries and still be like, but he's the only one texting me back. <laughs> oh, oh, you know? <laughs> Lala, what did you... I, I honestly don't know what to say. I would say probably, you know... Run for the hills. Run away. Well... What did you say? Listen, I mean, that, that, that's, he's definitely coming with a lot of red flags there. Like, yeah. let, let's not fuck about. But <laughs> I, I think it's really important to be really clear about, about kinks. I mean, I, I don't kink shame, but that is not a kink that I would be comfortable with. I would be very on edge about the possibility that this man could have fantasies that include children in real life. Although it does sound like he is turned on by playing victim rather than abuser. Some people do switch, though. In some cases where people have incest fantasies, there is literally absolutely no link to them displaying any type of sexually harmful behaviour. Some people have this type of fantasy and they will role-play it in consensual relationships with adults who also want to do it. Uh, and there is no kind of, like, crossover from, like, into them wanting to actually harm children. It could stem from either... You know, your your first arousal when you're a kid has got something to do with your, you know, one of your parents in there. Much more likely that this is a coping mechanism, an effort to overcome his trauma. He has very likely have got serious trauma with his own mum, and this is his way of replaying that and taking control. A lot of people use their kinks as an effort to come up, you know, overcome a history of trauma. The thing is, nobody actually knows how often fantasy crosses over into real life. The link between thinking something and then doing it is not fully established. And partly, that is because like, the research in this kind of area is really flawed. Research is literally having to ask people, and how often are you able to do research where you say to someone, hi, you've been accessing incest porn, have you fucked your dad? You know, you, you know what I mean? And, and for them to also then give that answer accurately. So it's very under-researched and we don't know what the crossover is between thinking and doing. Most researchers will tell you there's no link between the type of porn that people watch and what they do in real life. But, but like you say, like the, the thing is, the, the reason to avoid this man is not, oh, because he might commit a crime in the future, although, yeah, he might. The reason to avoid it is because you're disturbed by this by, and also by the fact that he's fucking playing this out to you within your first conversation. You haven't even met. You haven't even kissed each other and you're telling me your deepest, darkest shit. And, you, and, and she's already said to him, I'm a bit disturbed by this fantasy, not my thing. And then he's still gone deeper again and told her the story about tugging on the tiny penis. He's enjoying the violating her boundaries. He's enjoying that. And as you say, it's so fucking sad that she is totally repulsed by this, but is still like, mm, but maybe, maybe. So, so yeah, I think that she actually absolutely has to block, delete, move on. Not kink shame him. But I don't think she should stick around to find out if it's a fantasy or not. No, I completely agree. I think the point you make is so important, Lala, that it's not just what his fantasy is that he's saying, it's the fact that he doesn't care how it makes her feel and he keeps pushing it on her. 
even though she's telling him he's not interested. That was so interesting. I know everyone was pretty horrified by that, but that's why true crime and dating come together, people, to make you horrified. So thank you guys so much. Lala, would you like to wrap up our lovely show today for Thank us? you, everyone. Thank you for having us here and for Amazon bringing us together. I think it's a really cool collaboration. So thank you for listening to us. Thank you, guys. Let me